The April 20th Mindful Parenting Retreat Day is filling up fast. Join me and other parents in Wilmington, Delaware for a day of rest and relaxation, mindfulness and mindful communication practices, and a live podcast too. And my special guest for the live podcast is, drumroll please, Lynetta Willis. You know her from episode 366 and 400. She is a psychologist and sought-after speaker who teaches her Triggered to Transformed program to struggling parents. Join us and bring a friend to this powerful day-long retreat in Wilmington, Delaware on April 20th, 2024. But hurry, space is limited. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat to get your spot now. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. For the person who says, I'm not giving social media, I'm not going to do the video games at home, I'm not going to do the phone, believe me, you will never look back, never, and say, wow, I really regret that. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 357. Today, we're talking about simplifying screen time with Arlene Pellicane. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confidence. Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is such a great episode for you to listen to. But listen, if you have not done so yet, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you've ever gotten anything from this podcast, anything at all, please do me a favor. Go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. It just helps the podcast grow more. It takes 10 seconds. And I really greatly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. In just a moment, I am going to be sitting down with Arlene Pellicane, speaker, author of several books, including Screen Kids, and host of the Happy Home podcast. She's been featured on the Today Show and the Wall Street Journal, and she and her hubby James have three kids, and we are going to talk about how to limit screen time. We know it has big effects on kids' attention, brain development, and more, and we want to limit it, but how do we do that when Every other kid seems to have a phone. We're going to talk about exactly how to limit screen times here. You're going to hear her support for like really limiting screen time. So if that's something you want to do, you're going to get a backer here in Arlene. You'll see, hear me push back a little on some things. It's a really great conversation that I think you'll find is very valuable. So join me at the table as I talk to Arlene Pellicane. Like I said, I'm so fascinated to talking people about screen time because I've talked to some people and they're yeah. like, it's not such a big thing to worry about. Right. But then recently I read the Johan Hari's Stolen Focus book and I'm like, oh my God, like the, the social media is like killing our brains and like TikTok, yeah. what is it doing to our attention? And so I, I, it's like such a tricky question. I mean, I think yes. for so many ages, so maybe we could kind of talk about, I was wondering if maybe we could start by talking about like, how does screen time affect kids at, at, mm -hmm. at those different ages? Because yeah. it's, it is different, right. As the, as you grow up and, and you're more immersed in this culture. 
Yeah. Just think of us, you know, we're mamas that want to be there for our kids. And in those first five years of life, imagine what's happening. It's like your child is learning to talk. Your child is learning to walk. Your child is learning to play and engage with others. Your child is learning joy by looking at you showing joy to your child, but you put a device there, let's say, and then all of a sudden this two-year-old who would normally be babbling, talking, you know, pointing at things, all of a sudden they're quiet, right? Like they're not in your hair, but they're just looking like down ostensibly, the screen, like, right? Yeah. yeah it's it's like, kind of like what so, you want. Part so of what you so want. truly those first few years are, I believe the most crucial. And those are the ones where I think that mama bear has got to come out to say, even I've, I've got older kids and they're on their devices that, Hey, Oh, oh no, no, no. We've got to protect, you know, our one-year-old or two-year-old or three-year-old or four-year-old, because the thing is they're, they're having habits for the rest of their life and their brain is developing at an astonishing rate. And I like to think of it, you know, when I moved into our house, it was just, you know, dirt, you know, we were new development and you kind of buy in faith thinking, I hope they build something around here. But of course, in time, everything gets built out and that's your child's brain, that it is just dirt. And as it's developing, it's it's having a road to reading, a road to music, a road to eye contact, a road to listening. All those things are being built. But when we introduce a device in too much, too early, too stimulating, all those things, those roads aren't built. And you wonder like, oh my goodness, you're a 25-year-old, but you don't know how to be empathetic towards another person or how to just sit down and listen to someone for 10 minutes. That's something that never got built in your life. So I believe the younger your children are, the more protective you should be about that screen time. But I also believe from uh, until age 10, like think of it, your kids, they want to be with you. They think your opinion is like amazing. So whatever you say, they're like, yes, that's what my mom says. And so- and that doesn't last people. <laughs> it, right, that is a window. So if we- like waste that window because we are all on our devices. So that's my big thing is asking that question, is technology bringing your family closer together or is it tearing it further apart? What does it do to the relationship? And from zero to 10, that relationship is really being formed. And it's a very sweet relationship where your kids really want to be with you. They love you. They, they care about what you say. And so in the book, Screen Kids with Dr. Gary Chapman, we're really trying to help you discover, you know, what's your why behind? Because if you do delay devices, uh, as my family did, you are going against the grain. Like you're the mama, you're the weird mama that doesn't have the phone in, in their kid's hand, you know? And so you have to understand like, why, why is that important enough? And, and that's what we go into. I agree with you completely. I mean, you know, the, the American Academy of Pediatrics says no screen time before the age of two. I mean, I can think of that. I think of like, actually, I think of both screen time and sugar in similar ways, right. you know, yes. like there are these things that like, we have, we have a natural proclivity to, right. Because our right. brains are wired to kind of like look for these rapid movements and like, you never had to, to tell your kid, like this milkshake is amazing. Like you never yeah, really had yeah, to yeah, tell yeah, your kid yeah. that like we're wired to look for something sweet. But now in our world today, we have so much abundance of this, like distraction and sweetness that, that it's harmful. Right. And so I, I yeah. yeah, I mean, you do go against the grain. I remember like saying to the people at the bank, like, can we, you not have the lollipops out and 
offer them to right. my like one-year-old please. And it's similar, I think with the screens, like it, mm. it is kind of going against it's, the grain. It's funny also that you bring up candy because that's one way. Cause sometimes we'll think like, oh, all technology is bad or all technology is good. And that's, what's tricky about it. It's a mixed bag. And so I love to think about it as digital vegetables and digital candy <laughs> that they're both available and the digital vegetables, you know, when kids were online in school, no one was afraid like, oh my goodness, my child's going to get addicted to Google classroom. Like they're going to wake up <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning doing calculus and teams. Like nobody thought that because they knew this is not an addictive medium. So they're the, the, the veggies, that's the stuff we're trying to make our kids do. Like, will you please learn a different language? Will you please like learn mm. this instrument online? Will you please listen to this lecture? Will you please, you know, et cetera. That's a vegetable and that is good for a child and you, they never get in trouble for that. But the candy of course is YouTube and TikTok and social media and video games. And it's, it's okay in small doses, but because it is so addictive, just like when you introduce sugar for the first time and it's so hard to get off of it, it's the same thing. And so I think for our kids and for ourselves, it's helpful if we can say, hey, is that a digital vegetable or is that digital candy? You know, and the kids like candy. Okay, well, let's do a half an hour of that today. But just have, start having that conversation so that they understand because they'll, sometimes we moms will be like, well, we don't want to seem hypocritical because we're on our phones or we're on our laptop working and we don't want to be hypocritical and tell our kids. So we just let, but if we talk in this way, like mommy's doing a digital vegetable, I'm like answering my work emails. And then it's funny because it legit makes you do that because now you've just told your kid you're doing this digital vegetable. And yes, does the line get blurred? Of course, but just calling it back to that. Because if I strap M&Ms to my body and I just tell myself, I'm just going to eat 10, right? There's no way <laughs> I'm ever going to succeed. And if we give our child a phone, an iPad, you know, and they have access to it anytime they want. There's no way on their own that they're going to be like, oh yeah, I'm cool. 20 minutes. I'm good, mom. Like it's not going to happen. I know we have to, we have to have boundaries and stop it. So, okay. Yeah. So zero to two, at least yeah. like, let's try to like completely just kind of like uh, as little as possible. Yeah. None if, if you're able to, and you know, and we, yes. we I understand that you know, we're all going to have moments where we're human and yeah. et cetera. But so then we want to, we want to limit their exposure to mm. digital candy. So that means having, having limits and, mm. and holding those limits. What are some, what do you think are some healthy ways to, uh, to, to have screen time in kids' life? Like say from like, you know, three to, you know, like in preschool and then maybe yeah. in an elementary school or something like that. Yeah. So co-viewing, the American Academy of Pediatrics always talks about co-viewing, that if you view with I a know, parent or with you, an adult, exactly. I know exactly, what, I know exactly that's what you're going to say. So that's <laughs> how it is valuable that you're both watching and you say, oh, isn't that funny how he did that? And then you can laugh. Oh, remember the little red rooster, you know, whatever. So that did like my little pony. Like I would like put down, I would like put on my little pony for my girls when they were little. And I'd be like, oh good, I'm going to like use this half an hour to like do something. And then I'd just like sit with them for a few minutes and I get totally sucked into the whole hysterical. You're like, I must find out what happens. <laughs> what what, what yeah, ours, was, ours was Thomas the train with our boy. But so, so let's be real. So that's the best way 
right? Is to have an adult, a caring adult in this child's life, you know, that's watching and talking with them about this show. You know, the real way is that, oh, good, we're safe for half an hour. And now we're going to go do stuff because we know exactly where our child's going to be. And here I think the old technology is better, is that you get that old, I still have it, a DVD player, you know, so you get that DVD player and you know exactly what's going to be in it because you never know like what button your child is going to push while you are away doing whatever or whatever's just going to pop on. So you know exactly what's being played and more magically it ends because the problem is once your child understands like, oh, look what this remote control does. Now you're fighting this like, oh, can I watch more? Something queued up next. I have to find out what happens to my pony, (laughs) you know, whatever. And so it's, it's really a lovely thing where it ends. Like, it stops. And that's how it used to be. And that's why I think the technology of yesteryear, it, it's in terms of parenting. And I, and I think even in your adult life, the old stuff was better because it had a stopping point. And mm. this technology is, it's, uh, they made it this way. They did it on purpose. You know, they could have done it so that it really did stop, but they knew our psychology, like, oh, we'll keep watching. We'll keep their eyes if we cue them up something else. So I think it is important to limit it. So let's say it's a half an hour a day and then it's a DVD player because it has an end or something where you have a system. Don't make it so hard for yourself that, you know, you have all these decisions to make, just make a system like, okay, from this time to this time, that's your half an hour. And this is the program that you watch, you know, and, and you, I know some of you are rolling your eyes and you're like, oh, please, what world do you live on? But you are (laughs) the adult and you have this kind of power to establish what is normal in your child's life. You do, you can step back and think like what shows have the values that I want my child to really latch onto, you know, in the book, screen kids, we talk about like ABCs, like a, what kind of attitude does my child have after this show is over? Mm. B, what kind of behavior does this show really applaud and, and make my child do and see character? What kind of character is, is really played out that that's what I want my child to be. And so I think as we use that and we see like, oh, our kids should be a more enjoyable child after the screen time. And I know for a lot of us, it's like, oh no, our child is not a more enjoyable child after screen time. And I think as parents, we've got to reclaim that. Like that's not the kid's fault. That's on us. Like we're the ones allowing them to watch whether they're five or they're 15. I, that's actually something that I did. I remember, well, we had a laptop, I'm not sure we have one anymore, but we had one and I would get DVDs of Mr. Rogers yeah, and Sesame street from the library. And they, they did, they stopped, but I, I, it's hard for me to imagine that people even have that anymore, but I wonder if there's like, there's gotta be some kind of, you know how we love things retro. We love, I mean, you know, if you got a Walkman, it'd be so amazing and so expensive to buy. So so good for you that you kept that. My mixtapes. Thank you. Star Lord. You know, so I think it's okay to think like, Hey, let's get that. Let's go to the thrift store and get that retro DVD player and call it something really cool and put a DVD in there. (laughs) Seriously. Okay, cool. Well, what, uh, so we, you recommend for preschool, let's like do, let's maybe do half an hour a day. Do you, I, I, one thing that I did when my kids were little that I am so glad I did when they were young now that they are older, you know, and they're 11, 14 now is that I, we just started doing a screen-free Sunday every yeah. Sunday just to have like a, oh, a day of the week. Like a break. All of us where we yeah. have a break. 
and I don't answer any emails, you know, like sometimes, yeah. you know, we get the map or whatever, but, um, but that, that was a really good habit that I, yes. I think is, as I mean, I, I would, I would offer as a, as a way to kind of yeah. create a, some healthy habits when they're young. You know, some healthy skepticism in my life has served me well. And if you're like that, if you can spot a too good to be true health hack from about a mile away, you read labels like it's your job. Congratulations. You're a skeptic. And Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. I take Ritual's Essentials for Women 18 Plus every single day, morning and at lunch. And I am feeling great. I love this vitamin. Ritual's Essentials for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. Plus, Ritual Vitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, gluten and major allergen-free, certified B Corp, and made traceable. They select lower carbon packaging, they prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients, and set ambitious climate goals. Plus, Ritual is a female-founded B Corp, which means they are responsible to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mindful. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mindful for 25% off. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. And now what about our own right? Yeah, at our own behavior. And, and, you know, you do that digital Sabbath kind of thing, which I also agree with. And you'll find out that it's mom and dad, right, who either have the hardest time. And it's also a good test that you say, hey, we're going to, you know, not have screen time on Sunday. And whoever freaks out the most, then, you know, like, oh, you're the one. You're the one who has the biggest problem. So it is, it is a helpful thing, but you're right. It is what we are modeling. And I think it's a good question to ask ourselves, you know, if my child grew up to use screens, just like I do, would they be really healthy and happy Would their relationships really Mm -hmm. thrive with that? And a lot of things, I mean, one thing that's so great about being a parent is that it makes you become a better person because if it's, you know, if it's just you, you're like, ah, whatever. But you know, it's like, people are looking up to you. You've got some responsibilities. And so I think that instead of bemoaning that, like, oh, I have to do this because my child, you know, like celebrate that. Like this little kid is going to make me a better human being that is more loving towards other people, more mindful towards the people around me, more relational. And so I think that what we model and and that might start with an apology. It really might. And you have to be kind of ready to do it. And it's something that Dr. Chapman and I, we, we outline how you can apologize to your kid. But just to give the short of it, it would be something like, you know, I'm so sorry. I've realized that mommy's looking at the phone a lot when you ask me to play. And I'm really sorry about that. 
And the sorry can't end there because the kid will be like, okay. And kids are so forgiving. But if tomorrow and the next day and the next day you look exactly the same, it's kind of like, okay, why'd you bother apologizing? And so it has to come with the, you know, I'm really sorry that I'm going to do that. Here's how I'm going to make it up to you. After dinner, we're going to read a book together for 10 minutes you know, and that's, that's what we're going to do. That's going to be our new thing. So just kind of think through and, and, and if you dare to do it, ask your spouse, ask your friend, ask your mother, ask your children, Hey, am I on my phone too much? Do you, do you ever feel like you're having to compete with technology to talk to me or to, to keep my attention and, and really be open to what they say? That's a good, brave question to ask. I wanted, there's a, some of my friends who I want to tell them. <laughs> I'm not sure. You know, like, <laughs> right. And, and, and that is hard because see, when you solicit the advice that it's welcome and it's this really great thing, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, when yeah. it's unsolicited no. advice, right. To another adult, then it feels like, like, oh, you're, you know, you understand. It feels different. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're judging me. Okay. So preschool, we're going to be looking at our own behavior maybe looking for some old school technologies, bringing, bringing it back. And it's right. You're the, they, they were designed that way. They were designed to addict your child. It's the, it's the product of the business model, which is your attention or your child's attention for dollars. So the more, and for moms to get kind of upset about that, to think like, wait a minute, you want to hook my four-year-old so that my four-year-old is playing your game for the rest of their lives, you know, so let there be a little bit of indignation, like, no, you're not going to get them at four. Yeah. And, and there's some things you can do. I mean, I don't know all the technology things you can do, but my husband has now blocked YouTube yeah. on our, from our server on like yeah. Sundays and some other I don't forget what else, what it was. Sure. Like at least YouTube is completely bro- blocked just yes. to like, just to like have, have, you know, yeah. and, and, and it's not fair. Right. Cause our kids with their undeveloped brains are like going against the like smartest developers in the country who have all this, exactly. you know, psychological training to like make us just be watch more and more and more and more. That's so right. it's not, it's not our fault necessarily, but we can, we can take steps to work against it. Okay. So elementary school, right? Yeah. We're kind of, we're kind of easing them into elementary school is mm-hmm. when a lot of parents get their kid a phone, yeah. right? Like this is a lot of times when they're like, okay, my, my child's going to school. They're away from me all day. I need to kind of be in touch with them just in case I, that's what I think that people think. And what are, what do you see? What do you recommend for yeah. elementary school ages? So I recommend that you talk to people who have done this because you think to yourself, oh, this is going to be so great. We'll be able to keep in touch. And we do it for quote unquote safety. And then you realize, oh my goodness, when I give that device, I I think of it as like BC and AD before the cell phone and after the device, there is a marked change in your child. And it's like the things they used to like, the things they used to play. You know, I remember my cousin telling me that they, in the cul-de-sac, the girls would always play together, right? They bring their bikes out, they bring their scooters out, they always play together. But when one girl in the neighborhood got a phone, then for a little bit, she came out, but then now she didn't come out anymore. And then they'd knock on the door and she'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna hang out here at home. And what happened was that door to childhood you know, imaginative play, all the innocent stuff of childhood that a fourth, fifth, sixth grader would do, right? That starts to close. Yes, that closes. And then all of a sudden they're forced into an adult world way too soon. So I would just 
if I can't say it emphatically enough, if your child is asking you in elementary school for a phone and saying everyone else has it, you need to delay, 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 wait one more year, then wait another year, then wait another year. And if it is, it's like, you need to get in touch with them, then just get that gab wireless phone that all it does is like text. So that way, yes, mom can call you. Dad can call you. We can figure out this ride situation. That's fine. But don't give your elementary school child a smartphone. Don't allow your elementary school child on social media because once you do, that sixth grader that was skipping and happy and laughing, now they're going to school and they're like upset because so-and-so posted such and such and -and so-and-so didn't like their photo. And so, because now we're in a comparison game and everything is about, it's, it's lost instead of like, oh, I made a friend at recess. They're thinking about like, oh, how can I get more followers? And it's just, it's too much too soon. And so do yourself a favor, do your children a favor. It's not the right time. There's a, there was actually a pledge around when my oldest yeah. daughter that was like, wait to the eighth. Yeah. Wait for a pledge mm-hmm. for a smartphone. And I thought that was smart idea. And you know what? And, and so I've kind of talked about like kind of the emotional part, but just think of it. This is a very expensive item. So you're about to give oh, yeah. your child a very expensive item. So they should exhibit like the responsibility to not lose it, to take care of it. To, so, so even just thinking like, okay, does my child do their chores? Does my child do their homework without asking? Is my child mature? Does my child pack their own lunch? Do they do their own laundry? And if you're saying no to these things, but they promise if you get me a phone, I promise I'll do, you know, that's not going to happen. And so your child has to prove trustworthy and every child is different. You might have a 14 year old who handles social media really well and a 16 year old where it would just be their undoing. So it doesn't have to be age-based. You know, a lot of times as parents, we think, oh, it's got to be fair at 13. Everyone gets this. Mm -mm, No, you look at your individual child and, and you even do it on a test basis that, Hey, we're going to just try this for one month. And if it works well, then we'll continue by a month by month basis. But if it doesn't work well, we love you so much that there's no way we want you to go to the dark side. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's rooted in love. So let them know when you get a phone, this isn't like carte blanche, like, okay, you got a phone now for the rest of your life. Mm -mm. Like if we see in a month that, wow, this is like a really a downward spiral for you, we're going to take it and it's, we're going to do something else. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, 
tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Funny, Arlene, because you hit the nail on the head for me because my 11 year old yeah. is like looking forward to because her sister got a phone at 13 and she thinks that she'll get a phone yes. at 13. And right yeah. now, my husband and I are a little like, I don't know, you know, you, she's yeah. exhibiting more like kind of just unable to get off the iPad kind right. of behaviors and not able to ha- be, have that restraint. I mean, it's not her fault. It's like, yep. But you know, in her sister, it was a different thing. Like her sister actually yeah. tried out. It was amazing. Like she actually tried out TikTok at the beginning of the yeah. pandemic and had TikTok on her phone for like six months or something. And she took yeah. it off on her own on her own because she felt like it was like messing with her brain. Wow. And I was like, wow. Good for you. Right. To your daughter. That's amazing. Like, Good job. You did that. You know, yeah. I mean, but I don't think that's that's probably not normal. <laughs> yeah. Sure so that's so, right. And then that shows you, you know, and one thing in screen kids that we help parents understand is like, think of it as casual at risk or addicted. So like a casual user, someone who plays a video game one weekend with their dad and then doesn't talk about it for two weeks. And then they pick it up again and they play and they might play for 20 minutes, walk away. It's no big deal. Like a girl on social media, once in a while, she'll check once a week, she checks in, she doesn't need to look at it every minute. It's fine. Casual. Then you're at risk person is like, okay, you're supposed to play games on the weekends, but every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you're asking, can I play a game? Can I play a game? Can I play? You know, okay. You're kind of at risk. You kind of really like this stuff. And then of course you're addicted is, oh, you can't go one or two days without social media, without the game. And then, you know, like, wait a minute, this is getting a little bit too much sway. You know, if you do the camping trip over the summer for three days without Wi-Fi and people are in tears, you know, then, you know, like this, there's something wrong here. Like we're out of whack. Well, we want to, well, I guess ideally, right. As parents, we want to, we don't want to, it's like the proverbial pot of boiling water, right. The frog in the pot. Like we want to have those limits be healthy enough Mm -hmm. so that our kids, we don't have to do the painful pulling back once we've already opened the gates, right. Like we want to just open the gate kind of slowly enough so that they, learn about it, learn about themselves. And, you know, they're, they're not totally, you know, they're not totally out of touch with their friends. Yeah. Um, and I can tell hard. you, you know, I have a 17 year old and he's driving. And when you drive, you don't just say like, oh, here's the keys, have a good time. Like you're training. And that's the same way with technology. And, you know, we talked about their moms. I know you're listening and we're all over the place with their technology. So I am the totally, I hope you feel like I'm a nice person, but I'm a totally <laughs> weird, strict mom. You know, we have a 17 year old to a senior in high school. We have a sophomore in high school and we have a seventh grader. None of them have phones. We're not afraid of technology. You know, they have, they edit things, they have editing software. We've got computers at home. Of course, they have the tablets that come from school. So it's not like they don't have technology. They have all this stuff, but they do not have a personal phone. They don't play video games. They're not on social. And they knew like all growing up, like, oh, my mom's like this researcher that researched all these bad things (laughs) to their brain. So they knew like growing up, this is our thing. But here's the deal. They 
they do it, let's say at the beginning, because that's the way we raise them. Like those are the rules, like you're little and you got to listen to our rules. But now that they're mm-hmm. teenagers, it's super interesting because they've embraced a lot of the things that we've taught, just like your daughter with TikTok and taking it off herself. And so we did a, a little documentary with them. So I could, while they were still in high school, you could hear from their own mouth, like, you know what, my daughter, for instance, saying people will be like, you know, good for you that you don't have a phone. And she'd be like, what? Like, she was so surprised. Like one girl said, good for you because you're not addicted like, like we are. And so it's been interesting for them to see that you can, obviously you can have friends, you can have all these things and you don't have to be in these things. As my son said, you know, there are people who won't be your friends because you don't play a certain video game or you're not on social media. Like you don't have anything in common and you're not going to be their friend. But he said, I found there's like tons of people who, yes, they play video games. Yes, they're on social media, but they're happy to be your friend because you have other commonalities. And he's like, those are the people I find are the people you want to be friends with. That's a quality of friend that you want. So I know a lot for moms, we're afraid that if we raise our kids different, oh my goodness, our kid's going to be the one alone in the cafeteria sitting alone and like mm-hmm. not having any friends and at graduation, no friends. And it's totally, it's not that way. Like they can have such a good quality, like the quality of their friendships is higher because it's not just around a gaming console. It's not just around social media. Well, this is interesting, Arlene. I, now I have so many questions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so your 17 year old doesn't have a yeah, phone. Correct. Okay. So and we what? live in San Diego. Okay. And they go to public school. So it's not like you're like <laughs> under a rock in the woods. Ser- I'm serious. Like, yeah, yeah. You're, you you're not saying? the captain. Fantastic. Yeah. Family. And the, my, my son is the captain of the debate team. My daughter's managing the boys tennis team and is on the tennis team. Like they're not hermits. They have friends. Okay. They're very active, but they don't have phones. <laughs> what did you do during the pandemic when everybody was like all doing yeah. remote schooling? And do you have a landline? Like, no. So do they, they have the cord pulled into the closet the way no, I so, did? So they use my phone the way an, uh, the people of the last generation would have used a home phone, right? So they use my phone to talk to their friends. And honestly, you know, so there is a family iPad. So that's what my daughter, Lucy, the seventh grader, she tended to talk to her friends on that. And then we have Chromebooks, we have iMacs. So everyone has a device. So they would talk to their friends on their devices. They text their friends using my phone. My son, Ethan, he has a Google voice number, which allows him to do all his group chats and all his texting. It's just done on a computer instead of on a phone. Okay. So it's, and that's kind of how we got around that. So he has a Google voice number. So he teaches piano lessons, for instance. So he'll like, at first I was so worried, like he doesn't have a phone, but it works. Like he gives the new family. Here's my number. They don't know. It's a Google voice number. They text him. Here's when my kid's coming. He texts them back. Like it totally works. So it's, and and actually with him, the 17 year old, we've told him and talked about like, do you want to get a phone? Like you're a senior now. We're okay with that. And he's like, no, he's like, I'm good. This is all working. And he also doesn't want to pay for it. Cause we've always believed that when the children start having a phone, they've got to have some skin in the game. They have to start paying for it, some yes, part of it or else, yes, or else they don't understand that this isn't free. Like, you, you know, this does cost money. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter who has a phone, she pays every month. Half yes. of the, half good for her and good for cost. you. Um, huh. This is so mind boggling, so right? Yeah, it is mind boggling. Yeah, and I will tell you, my daughter, who's a sophomore, she'll say, like, Mom, I would like to have a phone. Like, I think it, life would be a lot easier. 
but she never gives me grief about it. She doesn't hate me. Like, you know, like we're, she knows they know we're for them. And I think it's so important that if your kids know you're for them, like you want to take them to activities that they love. You want to nurture them. If they're interested in art, like you take them to art. My daughter loves horses like you do, you know? And Mm. so we take her to lessons. They know you're for them. You're not trying to be a killjoy in your life, in their life, but you're trying to protect them from things that, that you believe are life stealing, that are joy stealing. Like, like we think this is a huge waste of time. You're going to have your whole adult life to be glued to your phone. So enjoy your childhood. You know, that's kind of the vibe and, um, it's, it's worked out really well. And I think, you know, my, my kids are just as prone like any other kid. They, so they use my, my Instagram account to follow all the people they like. So it's kind of funny. So the hit for me is all my daughter's interests just fill my Instagram feed, right? So I just never see anything I'm interested in, quote unquote, because it's all their interests. But guess what? This lets me know who they are. And it's, it puts, it's, it also shows me how their, you know, inclination. I don't know. I think it's really good. And I don't mind making that sacrifice so that they don't have their own device. I mean, and that could actually be good for you. Like you're probably less prone to buying shoes and lip gloss from Instagram than I am. Exactly. This is also, it's like all this tennis stuff, you know, it's like, perfect. I can, I, I, this is not tempting to me at all. You're so right. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I just had a a question in my mind for you, but I, I think it's, oh yeah. So what, so what is the way that you talk to your kids about this? How do you, how do you explain to them? Because I think that many of us may be very educated as to what's happening, you know, the addictiveness of social media, we know about like the study that Facebook had on its own, you know, about how Instagram made girls feel bad about their bodies. Right. We know, we may know about all of this, but how do you communicate that in a, a way that makes sense to your kids? I have to say, so if you're listening to this and you have younger children, like, lean in because this was never a hard conversation for us ever Mm -hmm. with two girls and a boy, because as they're growing up, like they're kind of living the other way. Like they're living the way where you are doing stuff instead of watching people do stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. So they like that. So I remember in sixth grade, my son, Ethan went to school, right? Large public school, over a thousand kids. And he said, mom, we came back from summer break. And all my friends were like, you don't play video games. That's so awful. What did you do all summer? And I'm wondering like, you know, and they're really like, you know, laid into him. And I'm wondering, how did he answer this? And he said, mom, I said to them, you don't know how to play the piano. You don't know how to play Taekwondo. You don't even know who Winston Churchill is. I guess he was talking to them because he was really in a world war two then. And so once they taste, like there are other things to do in life, they like it. If you're, if you're aligning them with the way they're created, the way that God has shaped them, you're aligning them with that, they come to life. And so they, they notice things like my daughter, Lucy, who's now in seventh grade, you know, she'd be in sixth grade and be like, mom, the boys in my class, they can't stop thinking about video games. Like even when they're in school, all they talk about is video games and they're thinking about it all the time, mom, and they can't learn. Like she's seeing this. And so if you're, if your children are, they, they, they see it themselves and you give them the freedom to see it themselves. Like, like 
talking to them about, well, what do you think about that? What do you think about that boy that came over to play at our house? And he sat on the iPad the whole time. What do you think about that? So, so you are engaging them. And as they are older, you are asking questions, but it's, it's kind of amazing that if you will raise your kids during those elementary school years with, with really strong relationships in the home, strong examples of what friendship really looks like, they understand that social media is counterfeit. They understand that video games, yeah, they're super fun, but they're really not productive. Like they get that. They understand that. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I, I feel like I'm, I'm so with you on one sense of it, but on the other yes. sense, like my, I see there's like, um, you know, my husband work makes electronic music and is right. very, he does all his like creativity is via yeah. computer, right? And, and see, I'm still thinking vegetable because he's yeah, creating it is music. A vegetable, but yeah. there's also like some, there are some video games that are really very beautiful pieces of artwork. And of in course. fact, I think, I also think like Minecraft is like very creative, right? <laughs> they yeah. like make yes. all this stuff in there and it's a different medium to do that. Yep. But on the other hand, I don't want it to... I also, I want their life to be about, you know, to be filled with like things like going on hikes together and yeah. like my one daughter doing the riding and the other daughter doing her scouts and all these different things. Like I want those, right. I don't want it to pull away from those things too. Right. And I think that, uh, I, you know, they, they think I'm a little bit of a, <laughs> Like they think I'm a little like overly freaked right. out about if they, time, you just have you know? to tell them about me, be like, you yeah. should hear the mom I talked to today. They'll think you're a saint. They'll love you. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. And so what I am saying, I'm not, you, this is an option is mm -hmm. what I mean. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we look back and we think, oh, you know, I regret that, that I let them play that game or I regret that I gave that phone because it resulted in so many problems. It doesn't have to result in problems, but many times it does. Yeah. But for the person who says, I'm not giving social media, I'm not going to do the video games at home. I'm not going to do the phone. Believe me, you will never look back. Never. And say, wow, I really regret that. I mean, you will only I be really, really wish I'd I really wish I would have given my daughter a phone at 13. No. I really wish she yeah. would have been on TikTok for her entire senior year. I really, really wish that like it's, you, you just don't wish it. And, and so you do have to That's kind true. of choose which path you want. And, and there could be a moderate path like you're talking about where you mm -hmm. are enjoying all these things of life, but they are playing Minecraft. They are doing this, but I know for a lot of families that once you get started, it's hard, like it's hard to get them to put those limits just because it is so well crafted to keep their attention. And, but again, like we talked about, every kid is different too that some kids might be able to do it and it's not a big thing. It's just one part of their life. It's not a big thing. And that there are other kids that it will be more problematic. So again, check your child, watch your child, see what their tendencies are. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. Um, all right. So just to recap, zero to two, let's yes. try to like, no, no screen time. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, Two to five, let's say that you're watching that half an hour. And of course, it'd be lovely to co-view, but we know you're probably not co-viewing. And then in elementary school, just 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 decide if you've got kids in that age bracket, just decide mm -mm, they're not going to get a phone. They're not going to get social media. You may feel like you're the only one, but let's just think about this. They're in fourth grade. They're in fifth grade. They're in sixth grade. They don't need to be glued to their phone. They need to be playing. 
just yeah. make make the decision. And I yeah. love what Bill Gates did. You know, he didn't give his kids smartphones till 14. So I love to say like mm. if Bill Gates, who knew something about technology, mm. waited until high school, you know, there is something there. Yeah. And I, and I, and it's funny too, because the whole safety issue, I think is so weird, not yeah. weird. I mean, it's like, whatever yes. people, people, we live in a very fearful culture. So there's a lot of fears right. that, yes. that arise for people, but the whole idea of being able to reach your kid anytime, I think is so interesting because everybody has a phone now. Like there are phones everywhere. Like right. your kid can just tap on anyone's shoulder and be like, can I borrow your phone to call yep. my mom? I had to teach my daughter when she started volunteering at the barn to use the phone in the office to call right. me. She's like, I should have a phone because I'm going to be on my own and I might need to go. Right. I'm like, just use the phone in the just office. She's like, where is 10 it? Feet. How right. do I press the buttons? I mean, it was crazy. You know? I, was I love like, that. Oh my gosh. But now she's totally fine with it. I totally love that it's so, so much. so interesting. You know, yeah. like there, and there are phones everywhere, right? Like, so it's, it's that's what we've always felt. All that any of our children ever had to do was go, Hey, could I use your phone to their friend? And boom, we're done. Like we uh, used to have to find a phone booth. Our kids have it so easy. Yeah. I was stuck once as a teenager in a situation in uh, Providence, Rhode Island at night. <laughs> and I had to like, I had a, I had to want to use, make a phone call. And I had to ask somebody for the quarter <laughs> and someone thought they thought I was homeless. And I was like, no, I have a $5 bill. I yes. just need to use the phone. You know, it was oh. just like, it was a whole other, other world then. Yes. Um, Okay, cool. So, um, and then when they're in high school, uh, elementary school and high school, I mean, I guess I'm trying to think of like, if we could pr provide a bracket of like half an hour, but two to five or, you know, two or three to five and yeah. then five to middle school, maybe we're, we're looking at what, like an hour a day or something yeah. like that. I like to, you know, to say that two hours or less of that digital candy uh, for many people and this, you know, junior high and high school, okay. you'd be doing pretty, I think compare it's weird because comparatively speaking, you'd be really doing well because most kids statistically are getting seven hours a day of digital oh. candy. So if you're down to two hours, you know, you're kind of like, sweet, I'm doing good. But I know, you know, you think about it, if the hours that they have after school and different things, two hours is still a big chunk of time. So for yeah. you, you're listening, it still might be one hour or less of the digital candy or half an hour or less, whatever. So yeah. you think about this for your family. And I think we get sometimes stuck and comparing and we'll think, well, at least I'm not as bad as that or, you know, or whatever yeah, but yeah, yeah. for your own family. What ideally would you like each day? How much time would you like? And I had a friend, Dana Gresh, and she brought her teenagers and just said, Hey, let's write down your priorities right now. You know, what are the things you want to give your time to? So they'd write down like, you know, whether it's uh, music or sports or church or volunteering and they'd write it down. Okay. Well, how does that look like in a week? And then they realized like, where does social media and video games fall into this? And they mm. themselves decided like, oh, I, I get it. Like I should probably just spend a half an hour with this so I can do all these things, which I'm saying are important in my life. So help your children, you know, have a family meeting where, mm. or just meet with them one-on-one -on -one, where you say, Hey, let's draw up your priority list this year. What would a great year look like for you? What do you want to get better at? What do you want to spend time doing? What would that look like each week? How many hours a week do we have to invest in that? Okay, let's do that. And let your child kind of discover that, oh, I can plan for this. And maybe those, those digital vegetables shouldn't be taking over six hours a day. 
I like that. I love that idea of like plan for the, the priorities. That's really cool. Okay. Yeah. One final question. And it's a, a little bit of a challenging one. Say the listener has, you know, has some limits. It's an hour, it's half an hour, whatever for your child. And you don't have a DVD player and you do have YouTube, which just loops around and yes. whatever, how to, how to hold those boundaries, how to yeah. pull them away. What are some, any advice on that? Yeah. So, you know, we had an old fashioned timer and we actually bought it on Amazon. It was a cube. I wish I had it with me to show me, but it basically was this timer and it had 15, 30, 60 on the sides of it. And we just Mm. flip it. So, you know, and that was like a visual reminder to your child that, okay, when this thing beeps, your time's over. And for young children, they really respond to that. They get it like, oh, it's beeping. It's over. (laughs) It's over, you know? So if you have something external that makes a noise that they can use, that's hopefully not a, (laughs) not your watch, you know, so something that you can sit down and you can look at, but you know, if it has Mm. to be your watch, that's fine. But for your child to see and that you're not too far away. So you kind of know what they're watching and if they've kind of ventured off in a weird place and, and, and really you do have to be there at the end of that half hour, because what ends up happening, of course, is that half hour goes like so fast and you're just starting whatever task you were doing. And then you just feel like, Oh, let me just let them watch in their half hour. Cause you know, whatever, but you really have to tell yourself, get over there and get them off. And I will say this with our young kids. If you give them books and art supplies and blocks and Legos, they will do that. So I think we sometimes have such a low expectation of what kids can do. Mitch Album, um, you know, Tuesdays with Maury, he runs this orphanage in Haiti. And he says, because the kids don't have any technology, they act like kids. And all day long, they could just like play with bubbles, like for the whole day, like they are born with a sense of curiosity and wonder and they can handle that. So I think for us as parents, don't be worried about leaving your kid like, oh, they don't have anything to do. That's good. Even when they're in junior high and beyond, that's good. Let them be creative. Yeah. Boredom is the birth of creativity. Yes. You know, you just have to like yeah, just something to do is right around the corner. It's okay yeah. to be bored. It's okay. It is. And it's okay for us to hold those boundaries and, you know, and say, sorry, this is it. You know, we have to turn it off. And uh, that that's gonna, that that's a whole challenge. Right. But, yeah. um, yeah. and, and you know what, if you are listening to me and you're like, I do not believe this lady, <laughs> like, I, I think all our kids are on phones right now, you know? So you can watch that Scream Kids film. It's something mm. free that you can watch or by donation. And that's at happyhomeuniversity.com. And it's something, I have a 15 minute version of it where my kids are just talking. It's something you can show to your sixth grader, seventh grader, teenager, you know, and just say, hey, I just want you to watch this. And then be like, what do you think about that? And, and it's just something to talk about. So there, there, there are different ways to get this conversation going. Yeah. Yeah. Arlene, this has been so helpful. I hope it's inspiring for people. I know that you, uh, dear listener, you might have questions. Um, where can people, you can absolutely reach out to me at, yeah. on Instagram at mindful mom. Ironically, I'm giving you an Instagram tag yes. to like start this conversation, 
but um, but where can they reach out to you to continue this conversation? Yes. So I have my happy home podcast and also that website I just gave you, the happyhomeuniversity.com. We have a masterclass about screen kids. So if your interest is peaked and you're kind of wondering, but you just feel a bit lost and not mm-hmm. knowing where to start, that's a great next step, the screen kids masterclass. And then the book is called Screen Kids and that's co-authored with Dr. Gary Chapman. Awesome. Who is five love languages. Amazing. Yes. Uh, author. I, um, I would love to talk to him about that. So if you want to yes. introduce us again, yes. <laughs> but anyway, this is amazing. I really enjoyed this. Arlene, you're bolstering my confidence to be yes, the boring weird yes, yes. <laughs> And I hope wherever you are listener on this continuum that you don't leave discouraged that you don't leave like, Oh my goodness. I'm so like in so much. No, that you're like, Hey, you got a new idea today. Today's a great day for a fresh start. Maybe all it means is, Hey, we're going to have a screen free meal time. Or it's like, Hey, you know, this weekend, let's have a talk about our screen time. And, and, and really, if you start it with you asking your child, what do you think about mama's screen time? Mm. Now that teenager is more ready to have a conversation with you about theirs. So that's, that's a way you can always start it. So cool. What a great idea. Open it up with vulnerability. So Smart. I love it, Arlene. Well, okay. So everyone check out the book, Screen Kids. And thank you so much, Arlene, for taking the time to talk with us today. It was so so much fun. Check out your video of your your kids and the phones. I think I'm going to like show it to my kids. Exactly. Like, look, they're not aliens. See, it's okay. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. hope you enjoyed this episode, dear listener. I mean, it's really fascinating, right? We want to limit, but how, right? Well, if you want to limit your screens a lot, then it, Arlene's your backer for you can have your, your partner and your family listen to this episode and they'll understand why now. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you got anything out of it, I would love to know. Do me a favor, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me in it, at Mindful Mama Mentor. And I would love to see what your takeaways are. And yeah, that's it, my friend. I know, it's this, this parenting thing. It's a hard, strange world, this whole job. I'm bumbling along with it, along with you. And I hope that this listening to this podcast has helped you, you know, clarify your thinking about it a little bit more this week. And I'm wishing you ease. I'm wishing you peace. I'm wishing you all of those things. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I know you can give your attention in a lot of different places. So I really, really appreciate that you have it here with me right now. Thank you so, so much for listening, my friend. Can't wait to talk to you again next week. Namaste. Say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, 
it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I had this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Mindfulparentingcourse.com. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.